It's easy to get lost. This is The Revenue Maze, and I'm Valerie Cobb. Join me as we navigate the halls, dead ends, and U-turns on your path towards upward growth trajectory. The Revenue Maze is sponsored by Revenue North Star, guidance and execution through fractional revenue leadership, uncovering hidden revenues, and empowering small business growth through process-driven sales customized to your company environment. Welcome everybody to another episode of The Revenue Maze. I am so grateful for the following that we're getting and for you for you listeners. This is fantastic. I have a really great guest today and I had so much fun with him in just talking about this show. You're going to love him. So first of all, he has moved 20 times under the age of 18. So rare ha- rarely is that distinction. I think only Mel at Amical has been at like 38, but it wasn't under age 18. So that was really different. Um, I love that he loves to empower the powerless. And he doesn't ever underestimate a great work ethic. And in fact... He will not ever be a victim. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit later. He is working through aiming to accurately simplify the brain and improve discovery, diagnosing, and treatment of brain health disorders. And he is also passionate about building better methods for how we interact with our relative worlds. And at this point, he is CEO at Glia Health. Welcome, Andrew Denton. Thank you so much for having me, Valerie. I really appreciate the <laughs> glowing intro. I, I try to be a little more humble than that, but as long as someone else is saying that about me and not myself, then I, I guess I'll begrudgingly take it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I have been told by some of my guests that, you know, it's like, oh, who is that person that you're describing? But no, it, it's great. It's great to have you on the show. And we always do one thing first. We always answer the question, what is one thing that you can tell the listeners that will help them get out of the revenue maze? Man, there's so many things you can talk about when it comes to revenue and obviously being in the revenue maze. Um, but <laughs> I think more broadly, I, I would like to talk about just leadership and team in a, in a company culture. I think that was really what's going to drive your business forward and make it easier to attain those revenue goals. So you're not chasing the cheese, but when the cheese comes to you. Um, the more that you can develop and impact your team, uh, the more that it's going to show return in your personal business. So that's how it's been in my life. Um, I built Glia Health on, you know, passion, belief, and work ethic. And uh, the team around me who, who joined me on that enterprise, um, you know, I, I didn't have money to pay them. You know, in, in transparency, I was just trying to make a dream happen. And they said, you know what, we want to sign on to this because we believe in you and we believe in the product. And um, so I felt a real debt or responsibility to give back to them in, in ways that I could. But, um, you know, that, that, uh, sort of circular relationship between, you know, myself as the founder and then the team around me, um, mutually beneficial, uh, benefiting each other was really impactful for me. So I'd say, if you want to escape the revenue mage, invest in your team in, in all the ways that you can, it's not always a dollar sign, find out what matters to people, whether it's, you know, their passion, their hobbies, their home life, if they want a work-life balance, um, if they want more education, if they want a better opportunity at their future role, you know, learn what they want out of life and then figure out how you can help them attain those goals. And you'll often find that they'll help you attain yours. So 
Well, and and so we often on this show will talk about team and things like that. And so what I typically try to do is say, okay, well, I think that's just talking about it in the bullet points, you know, you gave kind of three. Um, it's easier said than done. Certainly. <laughs> So give yeah. us some pointers on how how you're going to how they others can do that, right? Because yeah. that's kind of why we're on the show is is the pointers. So I would say specifically one of the best ways you can build team is is having those conversations with your the team who, who you bring on board, right? I think you need to schedule those one on ones at least once every two and a half to three weeks. Um, it's really important that you have a, a consistent cadence with your team, so that way they can feel involved in the organization, but they can also um, understand that that you're keeping track of them and and not just in a work productivity perspective, but just, you know, their life and who they are as a person, right? If they feel like they've been listened to and heard, then it's going to go miles in terms of how they're able to communicate with you as, as a leader. Um, so I'd say, I start with that. Definitely set up one-on-ones. Make sure it's a kid in about three weeks. Too short, like if it's less than that, if it's a week or two weeks, it's too often and people don't really have the updates that you're looking for in those type of engagements. If it's too long, if it's four weeks, if it's once a month, once every two months, um, you know, it, it can be where you're not able to create that tight bond um, with your team. So I think three weeks is a pretty good cadence for me and my, my uh, startup experience. Um, this might not apply to a larger corporation. Maybe the, the cadence will change. But I'd, I'd say certainly start with that. Um, and then number two, you know, really get creative in the same way that you have to figure out what problems you solve for your business you need to determine what problems you can solve for your team, right? So, um, you know, I had a uh, I had a uh, an intern, a UX design intern, who come work for me at Glia Health, and they were a fantastic designer. They worked really hard. They produced good work, but they were brand new and pretty green. And so, you know, we were offering them the chance to build their corporate experience as they, you know, just started out in their new career path. They were they came to me one day and they said, "Hey, Andrew, can I talk to you? I've got a um, potential job offer on the on the you know." Uh, on the table here and I wanted your opinion on if the compensation was fair, you know, and if, and if it is like, would you be willing to write me a recommendation letter and, and recommend me to that job? Pretty brave uh, conversation what this girl came to me with, because I think for some, for some people that can be a little bit um, disconcerting. It's like, Oh, I'm going to my current boss to tell them that I'm probably going to be leaving and how can, if they can give me this approval, but, um, but it was, I think a testament to the relationship that I had built with, with her over that she felt, um, that she could trust me enough with that information instead of just, you know, leaving, quitting, you know, saying, Hey, I'm out of here. But, um, I said, no, yeah, of course I'll definitely help you with this. I want you to be successful in your career because either the way I look at it selfishly is either you're going to support me in my business and we're going to build a better world together, or I'm going to potentially be a customer of yours in the future. And if I'm a customer of yours in the future, then I want to ensure, or I want to know that the people who are working for those businesses that I'm a client of are putting forth good work. So, I think I went on both ends like selfishly, whether they work for me or they work for someone else, as long as they're doing great work, I'm happy. Um, and in this case, this girl definitely was. So, um, you know, for her, her problem was she wanted an income and she wanted a way to, to have, you know, a way to provide for her family. And so I couldn't do that, provide that at my startup, but what I could do is give her experience and then obviously recommend her to a place that could. For other people, it was they wanted they wanted to stay with Glia and build something impactful and be with us for the long term. And so their why was changing the world in the way that they knew how. And so um, where I, so in my role in that place was to foster uh, those type of 
excuse me, I'm sorry about that. Um, foster those type of, <laughs> We've all had uh, it happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, Everybody listening going, oh, crud, yeah, that happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, my role in that was to kind of foster an environment where they felt that they could make the decisions that didn't necessarily sink the ship, right? They were, below, they were, they were above the waterline, so they could still be impactful in the organization. But... Um, you know, they didn't have the weight of the world, whether or not it was going to work out or not. So yeah, really figure out your teammate, your team's why. Um, and you can obviously do that in those one-on-one conversations. Um, and then get creative with how you solve those problems, right? So sometimes it's um, reaching out to contacts in your own industry and going, hey, this person works for me currently, but they need a paid position. How can I help them? How can they work at your company? What, what, can, what do you like to see from them that I can vouch for, right? Or um, it, it might even be partnering with the university to develop young talent at those uh, college classes and see, you know, give them a real taste of what it's like to work in the the real world. So there's there's a lot of different avenues on how you can empower your team that don't revolve around a dollar sign. Um, and I've learned that through this past 20 or so months building Glia. It was tough at first, though. To be fair, I, I started, I was like, what do I do? Like, I have all this clinical knowledge around the brain health and yet I have no one else or like no team, right? I didn't, I didn't have people who knew how to build a business or, or do design work or code out a, an application um, or create a sales process, right? All that was new to me. Granted, I took some time. I read some books, you know, I learned what I could, but ultimately I'm never gonna be an expert in those spaces. So I had to bring, find people to come alongside me and, and, empower them to be the expert and allow them to, you know, do what they do best. So. Yeah. So you bring up some really good timely subjects because we, you know, not everything is motivated by money. We know that by statistics, right. As well, we've surveyed and all that kind of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But the understanding of the why, I mean, we can get into Simon Sinek and a bunch of that kind of stuff, but understanding and spending that time and building those relationships, uh, it's it's one of the, you know, we always say in the in the revenue world, people buy for, for their reasons, right? I, I bring that yeah. up all the time. And until you uncover those reasons, you're you're just guessing, right? You're just guessing. And if you don't have that that one to one and develop those relationships, you won't know that that answer, right? I mean, you won't yeah. have the ability to say what really makes this person tick and we're always selling whether you're in a sales pr- profession or not as a leader, yes. you're always selling, right? And yeah. and because of that, you're selling your ideas, you're selling what it, what you are, why you're building your why, you know, why you're building this. And then you're trying to create people to um, help people align with that, right? That vision and those things. So I, I always thought it was very interesting, especially when you and I first spoke that, you know, your work ethic is, is top notch. 
And when we're talking about when we're talking about things like great resignation and now the big coin term, because there's always got to be a coin yeah. term, right? Silent resignation and employee engagement. And yeah. Gallup has always had a lot to say about employee engagement. And you've kind of touched on the first three things that get employees engaged. They need a purpose. They need to have passion about what they're doing. And if you can untap that during the one and ones then it, it's a win for you both, right? Mm-hmm. Because then they are engaged and you also have your objective of empowering people, right? To, to do their best selves and then your company flourishes. So pretty cool stuff from you. Um, and I think you began that. I think you told me that you began that kind of journey and that learning. You're, you know, you're with Glia for... You said 20 months, I think it is, right? It, and was, it was January 1, 2021 is when we officially founded. So yeah. Yes. And you Somewhere kind of there. founded it a bit on some of those principles as well, because you have a life story that's kind of, it's really, really fun to hear your life story and things about uh, coming back and maintaining a 4.0 and really getting that grit that you had to pull deep within yeah. To use. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was, you know, <laughs> I, um, my, my story, at least around my academic success starts a little bit earlier in life. I was a gifted and talented student. Uh, I made straight A's all through high school. I could sleep in class and make an A. That makes us, that makes us all angry, but yes, keep going. <laughs> you know, I, I, but it, 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 I mean, it really was the case. School came very, very easy for me. And when I went to college, you know, I, I got a, um, a scholarship. It was, it was great. And then, um, I thought I tried to maintain the same habits that got me the good grades in high school, but that didn't translate, uh, when I went to college, um, it was a different ball game, different, different playing field. And I didn't, I didn't do well. I, I failed and failed hard. It took me, uh, I graduated high school in three years, but college should be five and a half. So it was, it was a bit of a rude awakening. Like, oh, okay, Andrew, you kind of messed up here. Graduated a 2.7 GPA, uh, bachelor's in neuroscience. Entered the workforce after that, got married, uh, a few dead-end jobs. Um, and I was like, you know, like I'm not really happy. Like some years had passed. I was like, I'm not really happy with how my life's turned out. You know, what did I do wrong? I sort of had a come to Jesus moment where I was, you know, looking at myself and 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 waking up, right? And um, which which I'm incredibly grateful for. I think, you know, there not everyone has that sort of self-realization around, you know, how their life has turned out. Some people keep going on that same path. And um, but like, you know what, I'm gonna go back to school, I'm gonna do it the right way because I do enjoy the material, but I know that if I just kick my own butt and put my head down to the work in, I can accomplish it. So that's what I did. I went, I, I had to beg, plead, borrow, cry, crawl my way into a master's program at my alma mater. And I had an interview with the Dean. I had to write a letter and they said, look, we'll let you back in our university. Um, we weren't happy with your undergraduate performance, but you know, if, if we'll let you in on probation, if you fall below a 3.5 GPA, we're going to kick you out within six months. And you said, they said that you're on probation the moment you step on our campus again. And I said, I promise you that you'll never see lower than 4.0. And, you know, I did that by working a full-time job. I had an unpaid internship on top of that. And then um, full-time at school. And I accomplished it in two years. And I got the 4.0, like I said I would. And that <laughs> that experience taught me, it, it was the hardest, like, tears of my life outside of building a startup. Because that was a whole other mountain to climb. 
but yeah. <laughs> until that point, um, it, it really taught me about what it takes to succeed. And, you know, I had this sort of rosy colored view of success that, you know, either some people are just lucky or that, you know, they had easier. Um, but going through that, like hitting that rock bottom and then really kicking myself and going, you know, what? I need to do this the right way. Taught me that work ethic is one of the most powerful, um, not only just motivators, but, but, um, I guess I'm looking for the word in, intangible, um, assets that, that we all each have. And, you know, there's, um, I kind of have this, this dichotomy of, of motivation versus discipline and, uh, you know, discipline is there for when you don't have the motivation to accomplish the task you need to do. And motivation is there for when, you know, it's, it's to give you a break to make it easy for you. Right. I think you need both and have a balance. Don't do something that you don't want to do in life. You'll never have the motivation to succeed. You'll eventually burn out. If, if that's all you have is, uh, is discipline. If all you have is motivation, um, you'll burn out, but because you'll burn out for the other reason is that it's too, it's too difficult for you. You won't have the drive to succeed, succeed past it. Um, I'm probably butchering that <laughs> phrase, but that's essentially the idea I'm trying to get across is, yeah. is you really need both to be successful and work ethic. I would say is probably where I would weigh the scale. You know, if, if it's, if they're both equal, I'd probably weigh it closer to, to, to work ethic and discipline. Um, because to be successful, you know, at the level that I think a lot of people want to be, or at least they see whether it's in media, Instagram, their coworkers, their peers, their friends, it, it takes an, a work ethic that they might not be accustomed to, but I think everyone can do it. I think everyone can um, pull that out of themselves. It's just, it, it takes uh, some, I guess, self-realization, self-actualization around it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you just described the equation for grit, you know, motivation and plus discipline equals grit, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, uh, so you are, you're very gritty. Um, and sometimes when it, it's very interesting, because I know on one podcast, one of them was talking about planting seeds. I think it was uh, Jordan Schindler, if, if I remember right. Anyways, and not giving up while you plant those seeds, right? Because it takes that sort of discipline mm -hmm. um, to not to not give up, but also um, to to completely stay motivated on that original passion and tapping into your why to do that. Because some in especially in the startup space, some sometimes it can take years getting through it funding. Uh, it can take years if you're in the you're you're kind of straddling healthcare right now. So sometimes you end up in some kind of government approval, uh, obviously, which can take eight nine years sometimes. If they you know, um, I used to always tell people in healthcare the CMS isn't moving. Move around that mountain, <laughs> you know, yeah, move around exactly. that mountain, and. Uh, for those, you know, but the same is true even in any government regulation. So you come up against these obstacles. So you're really, really motivated. I can't remember if, if it was you I was talking to about one years ago when I was uh, a vocal instructor. I, I was a coach and mm -hmm. um I and so I sang opera for 18 years and then I coached it for about 10. And it was really more on the side just because I wanted to help people at that point. And one of the things 
that I had, and I use this as an example all the time, is it's rare that somebody is actually tone deaf. You know? Yeah. They almost have to learn. It's because they have, if they sound like their parents, they have learned to sound like their parents. So Mm -hmm. they should be able to somehow in their brain start to match um, pitches. And I had a little student and she wanted to win solo and ensemble. And she came to me and she did exactly what you said. She went in and she said, I will do anything to be able to sing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was painful. It was painful because she was the closest to being tone deaf that I've ever dealt with. And so week after week, I said, okay, well, all you're going to do is hit, you're not going to be singing. You're going to hit one note and repeat it till you can't get it wrong. And you match that with your ear because there's no way to diagram how you match a pitch, right? You you just, you're like, uh, I can't put my hands on it. I don't know what to do. And I'll be dip, but this gal six months went through that and most would have given up because it's like, I still can't match the pitch. Mm -hmm. I still can't do it. She did. She went on and won solo and ensemble and it was because she wanted it so bad. Mm -hmm. And then she was the, then she had the discipline to get through the hard time. Cause you talked about your high school years. It was easy. College all of a sudden opened your world. That wasn't so easy. (laughs) It was like, (laughs) <laughs> I kick myself in the, like, I just wish that I, it took me a long time to learn that like, Hey, you're probably not doing the right set of behaviors to be successful here. I was like, I just kept hitting this, doing the same, you know, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expect a different result. That was me in college, dumb kid, like just, you know, um, so I look back on that, on that time in my life and, and there were some good times, no doubt, but probably too many <laughs> in fairness. And, um, but but you're exactly right. I think that that story that you talk about that you just retold about the the girl who was trying to practice to, to make sure that she could sing, um, you know, mirrors so much of, of what it takes uh, in, in business, but even in personal life, like personal development, because at some point you will hit a wall and, yes. and that wall will happen irrespective of who you are, what your upbringing is, you will find a wall. Um, and how you respond to that wall will show you who you are, right? Some some walls are meant to be broken down. Some walls are meant to be to go around. But, um, you know, I, I think what I don't want to see is, is someone to look at a wall and go, I'm going to turn the other way. You know, I think you're on a path for a reason. You, you started that path for a reason. This girl wanted to be a singer for a reason. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be successful in my academic career for a reason. And, mm-hmm. you know, man, it's tough. You know, I hear all the time that like, there's no shame in giving up. And for me, I'm like, there, there is a little bit for me. I'm like, I don't believe in giving up. And, and and there's probably, you know, I'll I'll say this, like there probably is a place for it. Um, But man, I'm going to do everything I freaking can before I, before I do that. I think it's, it it should be a last resort. Um, And I'll say that that's also something separate than just tasting different things. Gary Vee talks about, you know, when you're trying to find your passion, what you want to do in life, he just tells he, a lot of his advice to young adults is to just try different things, do different jobs, you know, go garage sailing, go work at a McDonald's, go go to school, go be a welder, a plumber, start a business, right? And I think walking away from those tasting experiments um, is probably okay because you're you're finding out who you who you are, what you like about yourself. 
um, and what you want to do in life. But once you know, oh man, I want to be a doctor or, oh, I'm going to be a pilot or I'm going to be a, the, the best gosh darn um, lemonade stand seller like in the world, then, then go after it and learn everything you can about what you're doing because you owe it to yourself to do, to do, to be, to do your best. Um, you know, people all say that you should give your best to the world because the world deserves it. I'm like, not, not so much. I think you owe it to yourself because if you want to live a life that's, that's, um, empty of regret at the end of it, then you don't want to, I think the last thing you want to do is, is look back and go, man, I wish I did this differently, or I wish I was put forth more effort here. Um, I had a small taste of that, obviously with my college experience, and I'm glad I had it early and young. So I'm really fortunate and very grateful for it. Um, and, and I'm still learning, right? I think the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? My, my humility is tested and grown every day. <laughs> I think starting a startup is, is an exercise in patience and an exercise in humility because you never know enough and you never know like as much as you want to know. I think it's it just, yeah. So, um, but it's great. I wouldn't change the journey for the world, but yeah, it's definitely, I think if you go into it, with an arrogant mindset or like, I'm going to be the best. And let's say you are find some success in it and you then grow arrogance out of it. Um, that's just a really quick way to, to get humble again. So <laughs> I, I did have somebody once say that if you say you're humble, you're not. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And that's why I say mine's an exercise. It's all an exercise yeah. in humility. I know yeah. I heard that. That was so fun. And it was just like, yeah, I, I'll admit I, it. I, look, look, I'll admit it. I got a four zero and with a master's in applied neuroscience and cognition. Yeah. I've started two companies. I mean, like, it's very easy for that head to get big. <laughs> uh, undoubtedly, I'm not. I am not going to shy away from that. It, it's it's a. Uh, but I recognize that about myself. That's like, yeah, like I have like there there could be an ego here if I let it go out of hand, and um, and I don't want it to. And in truth, I really don't. Um, because I've met, I, I think everyone has met that, that, that person who is just a jerk, like for lack of a better term, <laughs> they think they have arrived and, you know, maybe they have, right. But it's just not a fun experience. And I just don't want to be that guy. So. <laughs> so bullet one, don't be that guy and check your bullet two. check your ego at the door yeah. and bullet three, you have to do one-on-one. So if you didn't understand bullet one and two you will once you go into a one-on-one with somebody because yeah. <laughs> you oh, true yeah your, your team will definitely check i mean if they're <laughs> if they're a good team right if you brought the right people on they'll check you they'll go hey man like yeah. hey you're treating me poorly right like i didn't come on a, to your team to be yelled at right yeah. i have my own responsibilities priorities <laughs> things i want to do in life don't treat me this way right very quickly that's going to happen um so yeah, yeah. If, you, if you only knew the stories i heard from from some of my team that tell me about jobs that they've worked at. Oh man, I don't know how these guys are managers, leaders, founders. I'm like, what are you guys doing? But- yeah, sometimes it it is interesting because I, and I, and I'm a and I'm a bit older than you. We'll just say a <laughs> tiny bit, but I'm really a lot older than you. And when we, I I learned a long time ago that there are three truths: your truth, my truth, and the truth. And sometimes when yes. I'm in like a one-on-one with somebody, it's like, okay, what exactly are we going to be dealing with right now? And I think some of it is 
the truths are really aligned. It's just because you're coming at different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's coming to the middle and that, that becomes a communication sort of thing. And that's a whole nother podcast, but (laughs) what, what, (laughs) what I love about what you've been saying is really just kind of what brought you. I think it is what brought you to build Glia too. Right. I mean, and I, I think that some of the best products out there are the ones that if they, well, we all know the best products are the ones that the world can handle today. Right. But also that solves such a good challenge within, in the globe. And because some of that has come from your experience of your life experiences that we've kind of talked about, um, tell us a little bit about how you came about Glia and why, why that makes, why that's a difference from some of the other mental health applications that are being built sort of out there right now. Yeah, of course. I think to, to briefly preface, um, one of my core values is integrity and accountability. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout all my faults, I really try to make sure that I know who I am both in pot, like I think accountability in my awareness of, of my successes, but also the awareness of where I'm falling short. Um, and so I wanted to, or rather when I founded Glia, I wanted to maintain that same level of integrity, um, especially as it pertains to the healthcare system. Uh, we look at how the patient doctor relationship, I think is so warped from what it used to be maybe 50, even hundred years ago. And I was like, how can I put back the agency in the patient's hands? How can I restore the accountability of the healthcare system and really ensure that that relationship is fostered and um, can be one that is encouraged and enriched. um, So that way both parties find um, just a, I guess, an enjoyment out of the whole experience. So with, with my application, Glia Health, it really revolves around allowing um, patients and, and doctors, if they, if they choose to use it, to diagnose a brain remotely, accurately, effectively, and quickly. And so what that looks like is you have a, an, uh, an iPhone or an Android application, and you pull it up, and it uses computer vision. So the same technology that your face ID works off of if you have an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And it will basically judge biomarkers and behaviors in your face um, to give you a screening of, of how your internal brain structures are working. To give you a really brief anatomy lesson, and I know not everyone's not going to have a neuroscience degree, so I'll try and make it simple. <laughs> but you have um, these dumb twelve. It, main... Dumb it down for the rest <laughs> of the world here. Come on now. <laughs> I have to, I have to re- restrain myself a little bit because I could talk about brain health for for hours. Like I love this stuff. You know? I know, I know. Um, it's so it's it's so wonderful because you're so passionate about it. That's, yeah, that's fun. So, um, but you have so you have these twelve highways in your brain. Um, they're twelve craniers. And they govern the function, everything from shrugging your shoulders to moving your eyebrows up and down. As I try to smiling, <laughs> and you see me, I'm going. Yeah, exactly. We look weird on that. On yeah. <laughs> Making a fool of ourselves, but you know, all of those things are impacted by these the, the function of these nerves. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, even the reflex to like vomit, um, for instance. So, anyways. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Yeah, we don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> um. But. Those uh, so my application takes a a holistic look of of those cranial nerve health and determines whether or not that they're functioning properly. And if 
um, through, through that, those inferences that we're making, you know, we can tell if you had a concussion or a stroke and then uh-huh. recommend whether or not you need to go see a doctor. So let me give an example of, of a, a story I was talking to or a story was told to me by another founder. I met him a few months ago and he said, yeah, his wife coaches a little league soccer team and his daughter plays JV soccer for her high school. And his daughter, Amanda, was run up the field and collides with a girl named Jessica on the opposing team. Jessica falls to the ground, you know, back to the grass, eyes to the sky. And uh, the gentleman's daughter just took the hit like a champ. I mean, she just was like, it looked like nothing really happened. And so everyone, the coaches rush over, the mother, the parents rush over and like, oh my gosh, are these two girls okay? And especially the one who's on the ground. Um, so they had, to, they had to medically suspend both girls. They pulled them out of the game. They had to go get, you know, MRI scans, CT scans, go through the whole concussion protocol. And it turns out the girl on the ground just had the wind knocked out of her. She was a-okay. But the girl, his daughter, had a walking concussion. So, you know, he was relaying to me, like, man, I really wish we had your product that day on the field because we would have known right then and there if the girls were safe to play. We wouldn't have, the girl who was totally okay, she wouldn't have had to feel frustrated that, you know, she had to go through all this extra testing and get medically suspended. But my daughter, I would have known immediately to take her to the hospital right then and there. So... You know, stories like that really illustrated the value to me that, man, this is a, this is a worthwhile, necessary product that I'm building. And it really reaffirmed why I was doing what I was doing. Um, gave me a lot of like validation ar- around the idea. Um, selfishly, uh, I want to be the first remote diagnostic platform in space. I think astronauts <laughs> I are going to be <laughs> needing, um, you know, they're needing remote care. They're not going to have a hospital right there. I was like, well, if I can be that guy providing that service, man. Like, so... <laughs> That, that's my moonshot. Um, but yeah, that's kind of Glia Health in a nutshell and, and kind of why I started it. So, Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because the, uh, you know, it, it, it's really funny. My husband and I were talking about a show last night and he's like, yeah, when you wanted to be an FBI agent, you'd have been great at this, but you can't stand the sight of blood, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... You're right. I couldn't have probably been involved in 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 the FBI because of that. And I tell that story not because it's kind of it's kind of dumb or whatever. You know, it it's kind of applicable because there's so many um, items in life that if it could be detected early, you would know what to do. You could have peace, right? You could feel peace, right? And I remember when my mom had her TIA we were going to go play tennis. And so Mm. I was waiting for her and she came home and uh, she came where we were meeting. And I, I literally, you know, I, I asked her why she wasn't going in and changing into her tennis clothes. Right. Mm. And it was like, um, and she's like, what? And I'm like, and she looked so normal. Everything she was doing was so normal. And, and then, um, I noticed she started repeating herself Mm. and she started to do some things and I am not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. Right. I am literally (laughs) probably the worst at any of that kind of stuff, even though I've had children, I should be better at it. Right. Like if you had a baby who fell or something like that. Right. So I, I remember thinking, okay, what the heck, you know? And so I'd ask her a question. I said, I don't think you're feeling very well, but she had literally drove driven home, right? Mm. In this condition. And then didn't realize she was resetting herself every couple of minutes. And I'm like, 
you got to mom, I think you need to call the doctor. I think something's wrong. And I had no idea it would be a TIA at the time, luckily, you know, yeah. but, um, well, I mean, I think that just shows that like, it would have done it really fast. Just go take yeah. her. Well, so yeah. So to, to, to not every stroke presents with a slurred speech or, you know, a mm-hmm. droopy lip. Right. And so I think that's the most common thing that people go, Oh, this person's having a stroke because they present with that way. But what if they don't like in the case of your mother? So, yeah, you know, there's, and, and I wouldn't say like, I think there's a lot of people like you who have no idea about, you know, like, I definitely have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, like, there's a lot of people who, um, well, I'll say this. I think healthcare in particular is one of those industries that, that a certain level of education is necessary to help educate the public on, um, you know, our brain is the most complicated thing, you know, in the universe. I think there's, there's more there are more connections between your your neurons and your brain than there are stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And I think that that fact alone is should be mind blowing to anybody. So, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. So the um yeah, it can feel a little bit, you know, disempowering to talk about empowerment, right? To to not know what's going on with someone especially that you care about or know like why something's wrong or what exactly is happening when your doctor's sort of having these type of conversations with you. And so education is a big part of Glia Health and why we wanted to empower patients, individuals um, on the platform and help teach them more about their own body and their own brain and, and you know, why these things matter. Because um, you're exactly right. You know, this, that experience is not uncommon, um, you know, yeah. so um, no, my father I had a stroke, so it, it's, it was definitely something that hit home for me. Yeah, I think sometimes, and that's why I wanted you to bring up Glia Health, because there is a lot of, there's been for a very long time, a move to preventative health care, right? Population mm-hmm. care management, all of that yeah. kind of thing. And um, usually what happens in that is somebody has had an experience, either a family member or something, and it could have been prevented, meaning mm-hmm. going further or cured earlier. Quality of life is better if you can catch something sooner. Of course. And um, and that's what we all want. We want cl- we want quality of life, right? That that's what we want. And and so your story is that led you there is is something that resonates with almost anybody who would be listening because they we're not we're all affected by somebody yeah. or ourself even that maybe something could have been different had it been caught earlier or understood mm-hmm. better right so sometimes that parent on the soccer field doesn't even take the kid to get help right mm-hmm. it, because they look fine they look fine and then all of a sudden you hear this tragedy right or yeah um, somebody doesn't do a diagnostic test because they just don't want to take the time i think that that was um, I think it's Justin, I think it's Justin Bellant. Uh, anyways, um, he had a, he had a mentor that had undiagnosed diabetes. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as we start to go through some of that, that that's a great way to introduce your passion into that realm with Glia. Right. Well, and- yeah. And I think it, especially, I'm really excited about my product um, for for a whole host of reasons, right? But um, one thing that kind of was was particular to me was that you know we're just now learning that a lot of 
young childhood injuries, specifically traumatic brain injuries, are now being linked to young adult and early adulthood depression, anxiety, you know, mm -hmm. PTSD, bipolar disorders. And I think, you know, how many of, of, of us have suffered, you know, the, the mental health struggles that, that I think currently are, are affecting a lot of people here um, in today's world that they might not have ever had to, to, to struggle with had they had the proper treatment when they were children. Um, so it's, you know, that was a, a sobering statistic that I learned. Um, I'm not gonna bring it up now because I probably will butcher it. But at the time, it was just that I think, you know, 20% of all something like this, 20% of all children um, in America suffer an industry, suffer a traumatic brain injury while playing a sport. And um, they're linking those TBIs to young adult uh, mental health disorders. So wow. I think if, if we can curb that, um, we, we will be doing a great good. So well, Andrew, we're going to we're going to change a little bit here because that is a sobering statistic and and we want to make sure that we're um that obviously that that's taken care of for sure, right? I mean, that that's I had no idea honestly on that and I learned something new, a lot of new on all the shows that I I have interviewed people on, but that I did not know that and um, yeah, but it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. And as we talk about, um, you know, a lot of what happens in revenue and product development stems from that need in the marketplace that yeah. you just talked about. Right. So as we come back a little full circle, a lot of people, first of all, want to know a little bit about you and your fun side of the fence. Um, and, Kind of what you do in your free time and then what's your goal in the yeah. in the next near future you know what's your goals uh, yeah of course um so before i touch on that i did want to bring up and it just came to my, to my mind about you know one other way to escape the revenue maze was that whenever you're building your product ensure that it's something that is really impactful to those around you so don't be necessarily just a problem solver and solve whatever problem needs to be, that you think needs to be solved. Some, you know, to quote the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, yeah. I would instead say, be a solution seeker, find something that really matters that needs to be changed to really provide value and impact the lives in your community. Right. So that could be a SaaS product. That could be a medical product. That could be, you know, a, a better way to, to travel, you know, in a car, right. Who knows, but whatever it is, I think whatever product you're building, one way to escape the revenue maze is to make sure you're building something worthwhile that people want. Um, that's going to really make an impact. But to uh, answer your actual question about what I do in my free time, and for fun, <laughs> um, you brought as, up as you uh, all noticed, Andrew's brain never stops. So it never it's does. Always going. It never stops. <laughs> um, and, and if you meet me in person, just who I am. So um, <laughs> that's perfect. No, no worries. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you, you told a story about the girl who was trying to, you know, work and, and get some grit singing. Um, so I can't sing very well. Um, I wish I did, <laughs> could, could do it, but I do play guitar. Uh, yeah. I also, I'm a classically trained pianist and violinist. Um, so wow. I, I, yeah, so I grew up um, from a very young age playing piano, took violin early as well. And then Picked up cello, um, 
self-taught myself guitar and then dabbled in drums, we'll say. I- I'm not confident in that <laughs> skill set yet. Um, I bet yeah, you you're so, above and beyond in that skill set, but it's just not where you want it to be. So that's why. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I, I love music. Clearly, I love listening to music. I love creating music. I love producing music. Um, one of my lifelong goals is to re- record an album. I don't even care if it does well. I just want to say that I've done it. Uh, so more for me um, than anything else. Classical, uh, I, classical genre, or what? what probably singer songwriter. Um, John John Mayer is a big inspiration for me. So oh, cool. I can make something yeah. even remotely like his. I'll be I'll be happy. I can die die at peace. But yeah, so so I love music. And then like, I don't know, most other young adult male, I like video games. I'll play those. I used to compete <laughs> for a while. So I don't get to do it as much as I like to anymore um, for obvious reasons. But when I get some time, it's a good way for me to de-stress. Um, but yeah, I'd say those two things primarily. Yeah. Well... I'm going to have to say that there we all have it. Andrew never sleeps. He's part of that group (laughs) that doesn't need more than two or three hours of sleep at night that I covet, but for some reason don't have. (laughs) It's it's great for productivity, but man, some days you're like, I'm exhausted. I can't sleep. And it's just, (laughs) there's a definitely benefits and and drawbacks. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's kind of like a whirlwind. The energy is so, I, I love the energy. I think it's, it's amazing. And I know that with a lot of people, they're probably very much drawn to it because it's kind of like that moth to that fly, that energy mm-hmm. and excitement about what you're doing is, is just fun. So if you had one mentor, who would you get, who would you say it is? Who would I, like that I want to have for myself or that I have currently or what, um, to keep you get to decide yeah <laughs> you're diagnosing it too far <laughs> probably to yeah always analytical um <laughs> man i'll give you two i'll give you two. Oh, okay uh so the first is a, a mentor from afar i don't know this person personally but i heard i brought it up earlier uh i really believe in gary v style leadership and i model a lot of mine after his i okay. think he leads with empathy and integrity and i i really strive to to be that type of leader in my organization but um and then as far as a, a leader or a mentor uh, up close uh, a man named martin Rolinski. he's the ceo and founder of board's eye um serial entrepreneur su- successful gentleman but more importantly and most importantly um he has taught me a lot about how to navigate the difficult situations that I find myself in when running a startup, whether that is in managing a team or finding a new way to accomplish a goal or a task. He's a, he's very insightful and, and definitely has a lot of wisdom behind his years of experience. So yeah, I attribute a lot of my, my current success to his, his mentorship. Well, that's awesome. So Everybody who's been listening, I just want you all to know that I am so grateful that you like and follow and share and all those things. And this has been another great episode with Andrew. And thank you so much, Andrew. Is there one thank place you. you can tell the rest of the globe where they can they can reach you? We'll list all the connections on, on the actual posts. But where is one place that they can connect with you? Certainly. So um, we have a website, obviously, gliacare.com. 
Um, but if you want something more personal, you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, send me a DM or a comment on one of my posts. I'm pretty good about responding. So if you have a question, <laughs> happy to help. He's a atomic lightning fast at responding. Trust me. <laughs> Just like everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's a skill that I've developed. We'll say yes. I want this, uh, yeah. To, to go awesome. back work ethic matters. Yeah, that's awesome, though. That's awesome. So anyways, thanks again, everybody. Thanks, Andrew, for being on the show. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you all for joining another great episode. For show notes, links, and resources, visit RevenueMaze.com. Hats off to all you small businesses out there. I can't wait for the next episode.